I want to preach the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ this morning from the account given here this morning in Luke 13, 10 to 17 of the healing of this woman who was bent double. I'll quickly read those verses again for us. Luke 13, 10, and Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. And behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, doth not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound, lo, these eighteen years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? And when he had said these things, all his adversaries were ashamed, and all the people rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. Well, this is the last of our, of, uh, of a number of remarkable miracles that Jesus performed uh, in synagogues on the Sabbath day. And once again, it sparked controversy with uh, the religious authorities. This time, it created controversy with the local synagogue ruler. The local synagogue ruler didn't really do any of the actual teaching or preaching. It was an administrative role, and their job was to organize visiting rabbis to speak on the selected text for the Sabbath. And the Lord Jesus was like many who uh, dare to actually preach the true word of God. He often only got invited once. (laughs) Never got invited back. And I'm sure the synagogue ruler wished that he had never invited Jesus in the first place. He was keen, no doubt, the synagogue ruler to uphold the proper observance in his understanding of the Sabbath according to the Torah, the first five books of Moses, the first section of the Tanakh, the Hebrew Old Testament, which prohibited work on the Sabbath day. He said in verse 14, In response to Christ's healing of the woman, there are six days on which men ought to work. In them, therefore, come and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. I guess he was saying, at least to himself, you know, she's had this problem 18 years anyway. What's one more day going 
going to make any difference? Why can't she be healed on, on another day? Why on the Sabbath? And that really is the, his legalistic spirit coming out. The, you see, the, the rabbis had created over time something called the oral law, which was a, a legal commentary on the Torah, the first five books of Moses. And this oral law set out how the commandments of Moses were to be carried out. And over time, the rabbis had added to the words, the word of God, the pure word of God. And the Lord Jesus called them the commandments of men, not the commandments of God. One writer has stated with reference to these Sabbath controversies that the Lord Jesus always seemed to be provoking. He said, the clash with authority is not over the rules but over who rules? You see, the Lord Jesus came into the world to rule. He came in to bring in his kingdom. And he explicitly stated that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. He came to restore the original meaning and purpose of the, and purity of the Sabbath. And of course, the Lord can heal and he can save and he can deliver sinners on any day of the week. But how many through Christian history um, have come to know and experience salvation and mercy on the Sabbath day, on the Lord's day? There's something special, isn't there, about the Lord's day. Which we in the Reformed faith, or most of the Reformed faith, we call the Lord's day or, or the Christian Sabbath. And I'm sure this poor woman was glad she came to hear the word of Christ on this Sabbath day. Well, it was in a synagogue, as I say, on the Sabbath day that the Lord Jesus first proclaimed his mission statement, if you like. At the very early part of Luke, he said, quoting Isaiah, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus had come to set captives free free to deliver people from their bondage to Satan and you know we as the church today through the great commission through the gospel have exactly the same mission it's the same mission of the Lord Jesus Christ it's to to set prisoners free it's to bring sight to the blind is to set at liberty those who are bruised by life. Jesus, as I say, was Lord of the Sabbath. He, Jesus was basically saying, look, Satan um, doesn't take a day off each week from his evil work of possession and oppression and destruction. 
And, and the Sabbath is a day where it is right to heal and to bring salvation and to do works of mercy. The Apostle John wrote, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came. He came to destroy the works of the devil. And the story that we're going to consider today is an account, an example of Christ destroying the work of the enemy. It's the story of how Christ liberates a daughter of Abraham from the power of the enemy. He preaches deliverance to this captive and sets her free. He sets her at liberty. Now, these miracles of the Lord Jesus recorded in the Gospels, they're historical, factual um, records of events that really happened. But they, they have another purpose. They also illustrate what Christ does for lost sinners in Christian salvation. So when our Lord, for example, heals the blind, he, spe he speaks to us of our spiritual blindness and of how in salvation he brings us in to his marvellous light. When he raises the dead, it's an illustration of how in Christian salvation we are raised from a spiritual death and made alive and born again. And so we could go on. And we need to apply the same method here to this miracle of this dear woman who we can in our mind's eye imagine getting up early on that Sabbath morning and full of pain and slowly shuffling her way to the local synagogue. It was to be a Sabbath day she would never forget. Because the Lord Jesus showed up on that day and met her deepest need. And you know, if you don't know Christ today, then I pray that Christ will meet your deepest need on this Sabbath day through this word. If you're a Christian even, still bound and shackled by weights and the sin which doth so easily beset us, I pray that today will be a day when the chains fall off you and you fully enter into the freedom that we have in Christ. It's a freedom that we should be in and enjoying and walking in and yet so often we're still bound, aren't we? Even as Christians. So let's look at this story. I've already mentioned the setting. Jesus was teaching in a synagogue. We're not told where. Um, and then, perhaps it doesn't actually say, but perhaps he had begun to teach and, and then there is this interruption. And in verse 11 it says, and behold, and behold, there was a woman. Luke and Matthew in their Gospels um, particularly use this phrase, and behold, to summon the reader to pay a special attention to what is about to be written. It's really a, a marker to say 
something important must be understood now about what is now to be read. So let's behold this, behold as it were. I want us to behold three important things from this text today. First, I want us to note a woman's torment from verse 11. A woman's torment. Verse 11, and behold, there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could in no wise lift up herself. Luke is the only gospel writer which um, includes this story. And of course we know that Luke was a doctor and that's why so many hospitals around the world are, are named after Luke. Um, I don't know how many, but it must be scores and scores of hospitals and clinics named after this gospel writer. And his medical mind, no doubt, was taken with this miracle. Perhaps the other gospel writers weren't so interested and they didn't include it. He doesn't give us a, a medical diagnosis, but he gives us a, a, a description of her physical condition in verse 11. She was bowed together, it says. In other words, she was completely bent forward. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever seen, um, you can all imagine perhaps times we've seen an old lady bent double, bent over. She was bent completely forwards. Today she would be diagnosed with a, with a, a form of spondylitis, a kind of chronic arthritis which in, in, in extreme cases causes a curvature of the spine and, and you bend over. And this woman was so bent over, she, her head was almost touching her shins. She was, she was bent double. And undoubtedly in great pain every day. But if we read carefully, we notice that Luke doesn't say that the cause of this woman's condition was, was only a medical condition. There was also a supernatural cause to her condition. In verse 11, Luke says she had a spirit of infirmity. In other words, a spirit that caused or causes infirmity. Satan was behind this. And she was afflicted and bound and chained by his activity. Well, this is confirmed by the words of our Lord to the synagogue ruler, um, who he called Thou Hypocrite. He renamed him as Thou Hypocrite, not a very nice name. But Jesus, in, um, in verse 16 calls her a daughter of Abraham whom Satan hath bound. She was clearly not possessed by a demon because there's no exorcism performed by our Lord Jesus. But she was clearly oppressed and under attack from Satan. Satan hath bound her, Jesus said. 
Now, I don't want to make a big theology out of that because normally, perhaps 99.9% .9 of the time, our illnesses are just part of the human condition. But in extremely rare circumstances, as with this woman, Satan had bound her physically and the illness was had a supernatural origin, a satanic origin. We read something similar, not exactly the same, something similar in the case of Job, don't we? She had a spirit of infirmity. And Luke adds that she had been in this condition for 18 long years. Just imagine that. Bent double for 18 long years. And finally he remarks that she was completely helpless. The end of verse 11. And could in no wise lift up herself. Well, in summary, she was in constant torment. And Satan was behind it. She was in bondage and she was in need of liberty. And from that perspective, this woman's condition is, a, is a, almost a perfect illustration of the dreadful condition of a lost sinner. This woman needed healing, she needed liberation, she needed, she needed a saviour to save her. She needed this one who had promised at the beginning of his ministry that he would release people, that he would set people free. Well, if you don't know Jesus today, you, you, you're in need of a saviour. In this life, the Lord Jesus doesn't promise to heal us of physical disease, although he sometimes does, but we can't assume it or presume it. He doesn't promise to always heal us physically, but he always promises to heal us spiritually if we come to him and seek his salvation. If you will accept it, he will always heal the spiritual disease of your lost sinful state. You see, the symptom of this woman's chronic condition has its parallel in, in our sinful condition in which we're all born. This once, perhaps she was a beautiful girl one in the past. She, she had a, a straight spine and she was able to to see the flowers and the fields and look up and, and see the stars at night. And now she's bent down, double, and all, all she can see is just a couple of feet ahead of her. All, all she can see now is the earth. She's bent and bowed and bound. And you know, spiritually speaking, that's where you are if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Each one of us are born with a bent and a fallen nature. We're not straight. Not, none of us are born straight. We're spiritually crippled and our sight is limited to the earth. Our, our natural posture is always earthward, earthbound. We have no care of heavenly things or spiritual things. We don't even understand them. And in God's eyes, we're all out of shape. 
We're deformed. We're wretched, ruined sinners by the fall. We're poor and needed, weak and wounded, sick and sore, as we sung, I think it was our opening hymn. And like this woman, outside of Christ, you're bound by Satan. Under his power and his sway. The Apostle John says, the whole world, the whole world lieth in wickedness. When Satan tempted our Lord Jesus in the wilderness, he said, all, all this power will I give thee and the glory of, thee, of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomsoever I will, I give it. The Lord Jesus didn't say what you've just said is not true, did he? All this power I will give thee and the glory of them that is delivered unto me. Satan is powerful. He's not all powerful, but he's powerful. Elsewhere, Jesus calls Satan the prince of this world, the one he will cast out, but still, he is the prince of this world. Satan is described by the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, 4 as the God of this world, with a small, a small g, please note, he is the God of this world. By which he means he is the God of the values, of the philosophy, of the priorities of this world. And everyone is bound by Satan. Everyone is bound by him unless you're set free by Christ. And you can only be set free through the gospel. Mainly you're in bondage to him through your mind, through the way you think, the way the assumptions that you make. The way you think of yourself and the way you think of the world around you. You're like this woman so bent down and doubled over that your, your only perspective is the perspective of the earth. You see, Paul said the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Your, your mind outside of Jesus is blinded. You're, it's bound and chained and you're bent down. You cannot see the truth of God, the truth of the word of God. And although you may not always feel it, life under the power of Satan is a, is a painful and an oppressive life. This woman had been like this for 18 long years. You know, a year, a year flies by, doesn't it, when you're young and healthy. But when you're in pain, or perhaps if you're in prison, if you're bound, a year can seem an awful long time. Time can hang slowly, and I don't think these 18 years flew by for her. Every day was a struggle. And the progress and the process of her disease got worse year by year. And that's just like our sinful lives, our sinful natures. We get more corrupted with age. It's why it's important to come to salvation when you're young. If, 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 by any means, don't wait. 
Because as you get older, sin hardens you and you, you become more polluted, more corrupt, more vile. Your nature um, becomes more twisted. You become even more bent down. And the consequences of your selfishness and unkindness, the consequences of your greed and the consequences of your immorality become a burden so heavy on your back that you begin to bow and to bend and you're twisted into a kind of horrible configuration. That's what sin can do. Left unchecked, sin, sin will, get, will, will, will bow your back Charles Spurgeon in his sermon on this miracle entitled Lifting Up the Bowed Down he, he, he began by asking the congregation to imagine the effect they would have on the rest of the congregation if their inner condition showed in their outward form by which he really meant if what was going on in their lives if their true nature was visible physically now what effect would that have on the people sitting in church and looking at them you see mo most of us um, are able um, to hide aren't we to what's going on um, inside our, our true nature if you like not everyone can do that. Um, we've all seen evil, haven't we, in some faces. We've seen depression in other faces. We've seen deviousness in some faces, but most people are able to hide the condition of their hearts. But I, I wonder what would the congregation today see if your true inner condition was visible in your outward features that's what Spurgeon asked them to ask themselves you know what's in what's really going on inside your life inside your mind you see God sees the true condition of our hearts he really does the truth is that like this woman by nature sinners are in a dreadful condition and you may not care about that um, you may not know it well I've just told you so you know it now but this woman really did care she cared enough to go to the synagogue and to pray with, with the others for the Messiah to come she would have loved to have been upright once again. She would have loved to see human faces. To see the beauty of God's creation. And how often, I, I can imagine how often she might have uh, tried to straighten herself up. Force herself to be straight maybe. But the pain was too much. The, 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 
The spine was so fused together that there was no movement. It was impossible. She was totally helpless. She couldn't help herself and no one else could help her. And even to this day, this condition is an incurable, decision, an incurable condition. No one knows how to cure it. In verse 11 it says, She could in no wise lift up herself. And you know, neither can you or I straighten up our lives for God or in any way make ourselves acceptable to God through our own effort. There's no way we can make ourselves straight. In no wise can we, can we help ourselves. People have tried through the Christian centuries and before to, to make themselves straight through external keeping of the Ten Commandments. Well, that's all right. Until you discover that the law is spiritual and you're not spiritual. If it was just simply avoiding doing certain things, well, perhaps you could achieve it. But it's more than that, you see. The law is spiritual and, and we're sold unto, unto sin. We have a, a sinful nature which we can't free ourselves from. And there's no salvation in the law of Moses. It is not a route to salvation. There's not a, save, a drop of saving grace there. It's not the way to be saved. It teaches us, in a way, in a way it teaches us through our desperation and our disappointment and our despair, our failure to keep the law, it, it drives us, it teaches us, it points us to the only source of salvation which is the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. Amen. And this leads us to the second thing which we need to behold. We've thought of the, um, the torment of the woman and then secondly we read of the tenderness of the Saviour. Behold, pay careful attention to the tender word and to the tender touch, the tender care and the tender cure of the Saviour in verses 12 and 13. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. And he laid hands on her. I mean, the first thing that strikes you there is that all, all the initiative is coming from Jesus, isn't it? Um, he saw her, he called, he said, he laid his hands. It's all, it's all Jesus. Unlike many of the other miracles, there's no crying out. There's no touching of the hem of his garment. There's no pleading. This woman is helpless. And, and there's no indication that she ever came to this meeting in expectation of being healed. Yet Jesus saw her, it says. Well, we, we could say, well, of course he saw her, particularly if she came in while he was preaching. 
but it doesn't really mean that. It means he, he really saw her. The Lord Jesus saw people like no other. John says he knew what was in the heart of a man. He had spiritual x-ray vision and he could see deep into people's hearts and into their souls. He saw the thoughts and the intentions of people's hearts and, and he saw this woman. He saw her depression. He saw her loneliness. He saw deep into her very heart. And the same is exactly true today of you. He sees you. He sees me. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows, all, he knows the best about you and he knows the worst about you. Spiritually speaking, we're all completely naked in front of God. As we cannot cover ourselves up or avoid his gaze. He sees you in your sin and your shame, and he, but he also sees your despair and your pain. And you know what the Bible teaches and this story teaches that he is tender-hearted toward you. He came into the world not to condemn you, but to save you. He sees you. That's the encouragement from this story. He sees you at night on your bed when you're rehearsing all the regrets of your life. I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't said this. He sees you then. He sees you at at the graveside when, he, when you're visiting your dead one he sees you there he sees you in your grief and in your mourning he sees you pacing up and down the lounge lonely wishing that you had a companion wishing that you had someone to talk to with the time hanging heavy he sees you he sees you he sees you in the doctor's office when the doctor tells you that bad news that changes your life, that shocks you. He sees you then. The Lord Jesus sees you in every state and condition and circumstance of your life. And he saw this woman and he sees you today. You can't hide from him. That's the truth of the gospel. He's got x-ray vision. He sees deep into your soul. And he sees every sin and every hurt and every intention of your heart. But he didn't only see her. He's, then it says he called her to him. He called her to him. Jesus singled her out and said, come to me. How often Jesus said those words in his earthly ministry, perhaps most famously when he said, come unto me, all ye that labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Christ gave this call, come to me, in a general way, first of all, mainly to the people of Israel, 
But there, was, there were those times when he gave an individual call, when he gave a, a special call to individuals, which theologians call the effectual call or the internal call or the irresistible call. The call of Christ's love to come to him. Well, if there's any advice I can give you today is that if the Lord Jesus is calling you, if you feel the pull of that call from Christ to come to him, never ignore that. Never resist it. Never leave it for another day. You see, this woman, the, the, the Lord Jesus... I'm sure never went to this synagogue ever again. It was a one-time only thing. This was a time for this woman's special call. He singled her out and said, come to me. And she did what you must do in faith. She got up from the woman's section of the synagogue and she slowly and painfully shuffled towards Jesus until she could see his feet well that's what we must do dear friends if you, call, if, he, if you feel him calling to you through the word then you've got to come to him as this woman did there's no other place to go there's no other source of salvation and then in verse 12 again he speaks his word of deliverance over her and he said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. He says, Woman, um, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. I think that's quite significant. He calls her woman. You see, I'm sure this woman didn't feel like a woman anymore. She, she'd lost all her beauty she couldn't care for her hair anymore. Um, she was a bent over crippled woman. And she couldn't maintain any form of feminine beauty which is important. Which is important for a woman. And yet Jesus still sees her as a woman. He says woman. You're still a woman. Despite your disease you're a woman made in the image of God. And he says, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. What she couldn't do for herself and what no one else could do for her, he does with a word. Just one word. Jesus had the power and the authority to set her free from her sickness and from her bondage to Satan. Jesus said in 20, Matthew 28 verse 18, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And one word of his power changes everything. One word of his power into a human life can change that life. And things that you've been bound by that have changed you, a sin may be, a habit... A besetting sin, one word from him, and you can be released from that chain.
I wonder if you want to be loosed from your bondage to Satan. To be loosed from your slavery to sin. Well, the gospel can set you free. The word of Christ. You know, even as Christians, we can be bound and subject to things from which we ought to be free. Jesus said, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Yet, certain Christians never seem to get past things from the past which bind them. And they carry like great clunking chains, hurts and scars and bondage from the past around with them. It could be a bitterness, a resentment that you need to be released from, an addiction, an anxiety, a worry, even fear can bind the Christian. But we're not meant to live in bondage. We're meant to live in liberty. And you can be bound by dead religion as well, like this ruler of the synagogue. He, he, there were two bound people here, the woman and the, the synagogue leader. They were, both, they were both bound and both needed to be loosed. Outward rules and forms and ceremonies of religion without the life of the Holy Spirit. Um... Well, our Lord then goes on to touch her, doesn't he, in verse 13. And he laid his hands on her. And he spoke the words of liberation. He tenderly laid his hands upon her as he had done to numberless people. And one word from Jesus and one touch from Jesus can change a whole life. I know, that's, those of us who are Christians know that to be true. Just one word, one touch from him. And we're free. And thirdly and finally, quickly, I ask us to behold this morning the wonderful transformation that took place in this woman's life. Verse 13, and he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. There was an immediate and a radical change. She went from being bent double to having the straight back of a young girl. She was loosed from her infirmity and from the oppression of Satan. She was made straight. And, and you can just imagine, there she is. She, her back is made straight. She, she, for the first time in 18 years, she lifts her back up. And the very first face she sees is the face of Christ. The one who set her free. And I think she carried on looking, at least in her mind's eye, she carried on looking into that wonderful face all the days of her life. And that's what you and I must do. The one who set us free. She knew a saviour who loved her and who had delivered her and who had destroyed the work of the enemy in her life. And she no longer looked down to the earth every day. She now could look up 
into the heavens. And that's what salvation does. It makes us straight. It gives us a new vision of life. We're new creatures. We're born again into a new life of liberty. Well, in Christian salvation, you're called to this liberty and you must come to him who will save you from the power of Satan and from the power of sin. And if you come to him, he'll make you straight, spiritually speaking, by justifying you in the sight of God on the basis of the work of Christ upon the cross. And you can be made straight this day. You may be bowed down right now, but you can be made to stand up and you can be right with God. This whole scene foreshadows the cross where the Lord Jesus Christ ultimately destroys the work of the devil, spoils principalities and powers, makes a show of them openly, triumphing over them in the cross where he binds the strong man and he destroys the work of the enemy. And he can make you and I free and straight. Psalm 145, 14 says, The Lord upholdeth all that fall and raiseth up all that be bowed down. So as the old hymn says, if you want, would you be free? Would you be free from your burden of sin? Would you be free from your passion and pride? Well, there's power. There's power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. It's the only place you're going to find this liberation and freedom and salvation. Well, I invite you to come to him, this saviour of sinners, this one who will speak that tender word into your life, but also that powerful word, word. And he'll lay his hands on you and you'll be restored, you'll be made straight, you'll be made whole, you'll be saved for time and for eternity. Come to him. Amen. Feel free to contact us at Sovereign Grace Church in Tiverton. Email us at grace2seekers at gmail.com that's grace to seekers at gmail.com alternatively you can visit our website at www.sovereigngracereformedchurch.co.uk